you're listening to season two of Conversations with Kathy, the podcast for women who are looking for a place filled with honest conversations, tangible takeaways, and new perspectives on life, love, and everything in between. And I'm your host, Kathy Ann Roach. Let's jump right in. I stumbled across a story on Sarah Ingerfield last year. She had just been promoted to the CEO position of Ogilvy Caribbean, and I found her on TikTok and sent her a congratulatory note. It seems like we were meant to connect, for since then we have become great TikTok friends, and I look forward to her daily, hello beautiful people, inspirational videos. But like many of us, Sarah has had her share of heartache and heartbreak, but she has become stronger for it and shares her story with us. Let's jump right in to my conversation with Sarah. So Sarah, again, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me. I don't know if you know or if you remember, I think I first saw you online. I think I saw a story about you getting a promotion or some sort of thing in the company. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to reach out to this woman and say, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. You know, this random <laughs> thing that yes. I do sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and then I and then I found I started following you on TikTok and I realized, you know, we really had same type of energy in terms of what we were sharing. And when I did connect with you, you were just so kind and so welcoming. I was so happy to really connect with you on that level. And now here we are having this conversation. And I just wanted to thank you for agreeing to chat with me. Thank you. And likewise, you know, it's interesting how the universe sort of brings together like-minded souls. And I think that besides what's happening in my real life you know tiktok has obviously become an important important platform for many of us to communicate our messages and you know we are very aligned in terms of our messages of positivity motivation yes. encouragement empowerment of, of yes. young women and men and um, and children even so i was more than happy to to be part of this conversation with you and i think what is interesting about or, or important about what we're going to talk about is that just as you said sometimes people see us online And we're putting out this story of empowerment and positive thinking and being happy. And sometimes people think that's how we are all the time or that's how we've always been. (laughs) And it's interesting sometimes to get the backstory of what got Mm -hmm. us to this place or why we think it's so important to change the way that we view life and our relationships. There is a history behind that. So I'm really interested to hear how you went from not being the Sarah we see today to the Sarah that we're pleased to know today. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's fair to say who I am today. And this is a reminder for everybody that who you are is a is a combination of all of your life experiences, the good, the bad and the ugly. And I don't know if I would say that I was I was not this person and then I became this person. Mm-hmm. I think I've always been this person. But yes. very often in life, sometimes our experiences kind of take us off course a little bit. Yeah. And we lose ourselves. We lose our past. We lose, you know, lose the connection with ourselves and we feel lost. And the important thing is being able to kind of recognize that and, and come home to ourselves. I see that lots of people will say life is about finding yourself and finding your purpose. And I truly believe that it's about coming home to yourself. Right. You don't have to find something new. It's, yes. it's, it's already within you. Yes. And it's about coming home to your true self. In my case, just to kind of, you know, kind of give you a quick, quick background to who Sarah is. I grew up in born and raised in Trinidad, then educated in the UK, kind of traveled the world a fair bit. I've lived in seven different countries and, you know, always had this joy and passion for life and people. Always a very kind of hot foot sort of um, personality where I was kind of really very sociable, very active, wanted to be part of lots of different things. I had this just joy for life that I wanted to see and experience everything. So that was a huge aspect of my personality growing up. 
But what it also meant is that I was very much of the mindset of kind of living in the moment, hopping from one thing to the next and, you know, really sort of having that constant kind of active mindset, which is great in many ways, but also quite challenging in some. I mean, I grew up in a, in a Catholic family. I think it's worth mentioning that as well. And this isn't, this is not a comment about religion or Catholic versus something else, but my, my Catholic upbringing certainly had an influence on my sort of belief system. And I think we were taught, you know, life was about sort of getting your education, yeah. finding that partner, getting yes. married, having children. And even as women, we have certain milestones in our yes. life that we're sort of all plugging along towards. So I was raised in that sort of, you know, sort of mindset. So of course, that aspect of it coupled with my joy for life and this living in the moment and that sort of thing meant that literally I was hopping from relationship to relationship from when I was 17 years old. I can't remember a time during my childhood when there was ever a time where I sat down and thought, who is Sarah? You know, yeah. who do I want to be? Who, who am I? Because I was already living it. You know, I was just that sort of bustling energy of who I am today. My story really begins with that aspect of upbringing and that joy for life, coupled with the idea of just hopping from relationship to relationship, just loving life, loving people, loving relationships and, and making the most of every situation. I never really stopped to think, is this what I want? Is this what I need? You know, you meet a guy, you fall in love and you're just sort of like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to supposed to find the guy. I'm yes. supposed to get married. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to have kids before I'm 30 and all that yes. sort of good stuff. And my story really is about this relationship and this marriage that I found myself into and how that sort of turned out. It was very much one of those situations where my love for this guy, coupled with my desire to settle down and yes. find a partner and get married, really made me sort of ignore some of those early signs of that toxicity, you know, that yes. exists within many relationships. Mm -hmm. I was seeing the little signs there, you know, little arguments and sort of controlling behavior and things like that. But of course, I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, I, I am who I am. We'll be able to overcome anything. Yes. And so we got married. We were together for a good four years, moved to the UK together. So I was away from sort of immediate family and friends right. and began living my life because and we moved to the UK actually because of my career. So my life actually became sort of in two parallels. Mm -hmm. There was the Sarah that we had on the inside, which was mm -hmm. this sort of loving, devoted, selfless partner yes. with a man that I really, truly loved. But also on the other side of the coin, you know, there was Sarah on the outside who was this kind of high-flying advertising career, traveling yes. the world, meeting and networking with all sorts of amazing people. And it just so happened those two worlds really were colliding at a point where I was under a tremendous amount of stress and pressure in my job. Yeah. At home, things were not happy because I was in a, you know, in a, in a difficult relationship. My now ex-husband was very, very toxic, very narcissistic, all of the typical signs of, of narcissism. And in, in, in fact, an extreme case of mm -hmm. narcissism. Mm -hmm. But I was so determined to thrive in my own life that I really ignored all of the, the damaging signs to myself. Right. So lo and behold, we were together for, you know, almost 10 years. And lo and behold, of course, I lost myself along the way. You know, you yeah. really found myself in quite a depressive situation. Home was not a happy place for me. So I was throwing myself into, into, into work, work, into yes. life, into traveling, etc. And lots of tears. I feel sad when I think about the version of Sarah that was living in that situation. Because, Katy, there were times where I would literally look at myself in the mirror and, you know, we, we talk, you and I both talk a lot about positive affirmations yes. and sort of speaking, yes. breathing life into yourself. Yeah. In those years, in my darkest days during that marriage, I was doing the exact opposite. Cathy, yeah. I was standing in front of the mirror and I was speaking to myself, you are awful. 
Yeah. You are unworthy yeah. of this love. You will never, you know, no one will ever love you. You know, it's, it's almost like you can't do this. You deserve, you know, des- you deserve this, you know? And I yeah. think that there was this aspect of deserve. And I was sort of like, what have, what could I have possibly done in my done. life to deserve, yes, to deserve this type of life? Do you think he resented your success? I mean, you say that he basically packed up, quote unquote, his life to come live this life with you. Is it that the cycle that you're talking about of probably not being home enough for him? And this isn't justifying any of the behavior that came with his response to it. But do you think in retrospect that maybe some of that was his resenting your success or not being there enough for him? Do you think that was at the root of anything that he was doing? I do. I think that there was there were a number of factors. I mean, he also had a difficult upbringing in his whole life. He had an absent father. His mother wasn't, you know, she had multiple jobs to sort of yes. manage, you know, their situation. So I don't think she was able to be necessarily the nurturing yes. role that he needed her to be under those circumstances. So there was a difficult upbringing aspect of it. There certainly was a level of resentment mm-hmm. present in the fact that my career was flying off and yes. he was sort of like trying to keep up. And I genuinely think that he struggled with the person that I was. He liked the idea of who I was. Yes. He was a strong, very driven, passionate, joyful person. You know, obviously he struggled to cope with that, I guess, as a man. I want to be clear and say that I don't blame him even now after everything that we've been through. And it was really traumatic, you know, in the the final years and in the years that followed. But I want to make it clear that I actually, in retrospect, and this is part of my healing, I don't blame him for anything that happened. Despite, okay, yes, he's, he's narcissistic and he has his own journey mm-hmm. to, to kind of, you know, to go through, to, to deal with that. But I actually, looking back on that situation, and I know a lot of people would think differently about it, I don't blame him for that situation because I, we as individuals, we as women, have a responsibility to ourselves as well. He did not do that to me. He didn't do anything to me, in fact. We allow certain behaviors to yeah. exist. Yeah. We allow certain certain aspects of our lifestyle to to be what they are we had in our situation we there was there was financial abuse there was you know there was other women involved there were lies deception physical and lots and lots of mental and emotional abuse so there were many different aspects of it but again looking back at that situation there were so many opportunities along that way that I felt that I could have at any given moment, if I had the strength and courage to do yes. it, I could have dealt with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you, you know, you way. think, and that is, of course, because you're looking at it in retrospect, because in the moment, yeah. I can imagine how you would afford to try to live these two lives, basically trying to be what he wanted you to be, as well That's as right. feeling responsible for your job and everything else and everybody else yes. that was depending on you to show up. And That's then trying right. to be this person for this man who you loved and not being able to make these two ends or these two worlds mesh. And if he yeah. is toxic in his responses to not having you, because sometimes that's what happens. Somebody wants you so badly. And, mm-hmm. and although you're giving them all that you have to give in that moment, it's not enough. So that's their right. response is very toxic and makes you feel even worse. And you're trying and trying and can't ever meet it. So I, couldn't I, can, yes. I couldn't be everything. I couldn't be everything. And I, I, no matter how much I, you know, my personality and my spirit, no matter how much I fought to be everything for everyone, yes. him outside everybody I couldn't and unfortunately it caused my like I said I began to break down yes but the one aspect of it that I think is a huge component of it that you know again in retrospect like I see how much of a role this played in in the scenario was guilt and shame the guilt aspect of it I felt terribly good I could not even entertain the thought of leaving this man because 
the guilt of just sort of abandoning ship. You know, I mean, yes. remember, I'm coming from a, a Catholic upbringing where marriage oh, yes. is for life and, and all these sorts yes. of good things. The guilt of, of abandoning ship for a man who wasn't, he clearly was not in his best yes. place. So what, I'm better than him now? I'm, I'm too good to stay, stick around <laughs> and make this work? Yeah. So there was a lot of guilt involved and there was a huge amount of shame involved because, of course, the other aspect of these things that I'm sure many women could relate is that I wanted no one to know what was happening on the inside. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we were the picture of the perfect couple on the outside, you know, sort of two very good looking people, very sort of very social, very happy, you know, out and about traveling, doing great things together and involved in business together even. So the idea of me actually turning to someone and saying, you know what, we're not happy, this is breaking down, and I don't know if I can do this any longer. I did not, for many years, I didn't even allow that thought into my mind. So that was eating me up on the inside, yeah. added to then, of course, his his toxicity yeah. and those narcissistic tendencies, because he was piling on the guilt and, you know, yes. and so on yeah. as well. So I just powered through, I powered on. Now, this is where in sort of, you know, the turning point sort of began to happen for me, because... I was reaching that point of breaking. There were lots of tears. You know, I remember myself sitting on the bus going to work in London, tears streaming down my face. Of course, wipe them, step yes. into the office, and of course yes, you're a of different course, person. Of you course, I mean? yes, so yeah, you know, the, yes. the mask goes on yep. and you're you know, you're in your best game and you you know power through all these very powerful yes. meetings and sort of great work was taking place, award winning around Europe and things like that. But ultimately, I would step back on that bus or step back on that train and be fearful to put my key in the front door to walk yes, into my and, own home. And it's horrible because uh, as a woman, I myself have done that on many occasions. Like you mm-hmm. say, you come in, you're crying in your car, you mm-hmm. wipe those tears away, you put your face on and nobody's wiser. Nobody knows That's what right. you're going through. And just like you say, we don't want to tell anybody. And it's not easy to walk away even mm-hmm. though you've said, I look back now and there were so many moments when I should have, but for some reason I could not have. <laughs> I could not have. Yeah. I couldn't. So where, where things started to change for me was actually not by my own doing, to be fair. It was actually I got an opportunity from work to through my job to go and spend a year in Asia. Right. So I jumped at the opportunity, to be wow. honest with you. I knew, I knew nothing <laughs> of Asia. I knew no one in Asia. But I was like, coupled with my you know, joy for life and my passion for travel and things yeah. like that and people and cultures, I was like, great, let me go. So I took the opportunity to go to Asia. He actually came out with me mm-hmm. um, initially just to kind of get me set up and mm-hmm. things. And then he moved back to London where we were based mm-hmm. and I stayed in Asia. And the idea was that we would travel backwards and forwards for that year to see each other. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, though, Cathy, that year was the turning point for me because it was beginning of the it was the beginning of a turning point for me because I realized that in 35 years of life, I had never spent any time alone. Right. So being in this foreign country, taking up this new job with no one that I knew, sort of meeting new people and living in an apartment, a tiny little apartment yes. in South Korea. For some people, that might have been absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the most liberating experience. I was sort of sitting there going, this is literally the first time I'm alone with my thoughts. Yeah. This is the first time I am, I am being forced to think about what do you want to eat, Sarah? Where do you want to go? You know, what do you want to do with yourself this weekend? These are not thoughts that you have. If you're hopping from relationship to relationship, you're always thinking of, of, you give up that sense of self. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about the other person and their wants, their needs, their passions, and their their drivers. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, sitting there alone in this little apartment in Asia, 
And I'm sort of saying to myself, my goodness, where do I, you know, what do I do with myself? Because I don't know how to think for myself. <laughs> yes. So I think that was a real, that was the beginning of a big wake up moment for me. So in Asia as well, in South Korea, I was blessed to be living very close to quite a number of Buddhist temples, okay. which sounds bizarre. I've never known anything about Buddhism or anything like that. As I said, I was raised a Christian, a Catholic, and yes. you know, that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. But because it was right there and because I was alone in this country, of course, you sort of want to do all the, the local things. Yes. And I sort of started spending, you know, just sort of visiting Buddhist temples and sort of understanding what that was all about and really beginning to understand spirituality in its yes. broader sense yes and for me that's where things started to change because I would go you know I would be very busy with my work day during the day and I would literally go in the evenings and sit down at one of those Buddhist temples and yeah. just be present yeah and I'll tell you what it was absolutely life-changing for me that particular that was the beginning of the life-changing thing yeah. and it was in that time sitting alone in those temples in in Korea that I said to myself, right, you know you're not happy. It's time mm-hmm. to face this. What are you yeah. going to do about this? Mm-hmm. And I really had that moment where I really came to myself and I said, you know what, Sarah? I, I accepted that this could go. Whereas before I was like, this, we had to stay together and we had to make this work yeah. under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Those moments, in those quiet moments, I was able to sort of accept that it's going to be okay. And it can go one of two ways. We're either going to make this work. I'm going to come back home to, to the UK where we were based. Yes. We're going to come back home from this year in Asia. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, you know, put your all into to sort of making this work. Yes. And then if it doesn't work, there will be a split. And yes. either scenario is going to be okay. And so the acceptance of that was a big first step for me. Because like I said, that wasn't even a thought that I could possibly entertain in my mm-hmm. mind. So, of course, time in Asia wraps up. I'm now heading back home to the UK. And we sat down and we had that conversation. So, of course, I come back. He's now seeing this more confident, yes. peaceful person, which, of <laughs> yes. course, makes him really anxious. Yeah. You know, which, you know, yeah. which, so I, I have to say, I, the conversation I had with my husband at the time was, you know, we're not happy. Neither one of us are happy right now. We need to do something about this. But I want to give this a year. Let's yeah. let's both really commit to a year of working through these issues and 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 learning to love each other again, yeah. or love ourselves again, yeah. and let's see what happens. And he yeah. sort of agreed to it, but of course, very quickly realized that he was on the back foot now yeah. <laughs> because he didn't have that sense of power and control over me, mm-hmm. and and so things got very bad very quickly, you know, from that perspective. And whilst I committed mentally to a year of being back home with him, I actually only lasted probably about two and a half months Wow! yeah because I woke up one so this is of course like I said two and a half very 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 difficult months where mm-hmm. there was mental physical spiritual sexual abuse sort of all at play during that time yeah and I was in a really bad place and I loathed myself as a as a woman I loathed myself as Sarah yeah and and I'd lost my way in terms of you know sort of what was I really doing yeah. how was I ever going to get out of this now, what I would say is that I, there was always a part of me that knew that I would be okay. I just didn't know how. Oh, yeah. And I simply remember going to sleep one night because we were sleeping in separate rooms at that point. I remember going to sleep one night, crying my eyes out and saying to, to God, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing here now. I need you to take the reins. I need you to guide me, mm-hmm. lead me, mm-hmm. and, and I will follow 
and I went to sleep that night. And Cathy, I woke up the next morning at 5 a.m. Never woken up at 5 a.m. in my life. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not an early riser. Yes, yes. I was woken up at 5 a.m. Mm. in the pitch black cold of London with nothing, something that I cannot describe as anything other than the voice of God mm-hmm. speaking to me. It wasn't a, a, a voice yeah. on the outside. Mm-hmm. It was a voice very, very loudly and very clearly in within my spirit yes. that said, today is the day you're going to leave him. Yeah. So you can imagine your girl sitting up there going, what madness is this? Leave who? Leave where? Where yes. am I going? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where am I going? I have mm-hmm. no plan. I have not even, this is not like, are you mad? You know, yes. I mean, this is me telling God, I mean, are you mad? And yeah. what's wrong? Like, what's, what's up with you? You know? And again, today is the late day you're going to leave him. Get up out of this bed, pack a bag, and leave this house now before sunrise. And I said, what? So, of course, I mean, who are you to argue with this very strong, very mm-hmm. powerful spirit mm-hmm. that is within me? Mm-hmm. I got up and, of course, in my panicked state, start to sort of pack a little bag and, and so on. And, and he's sleeping in the other room. So, of course, I'm shuffling about, trying to move quickly, pack up my things. And I start to scoot down the corridor. But, of course, he hears a noise. Yeah. He sees me coming out of the, you know, coming out of the bedroom with a little backpack on my back. And he wants to know where I'm going at six o'clock in the morning. And I had to, you know, I I panicked and of course had to tell him that a friend of mine you know, mm-hmm. at the time without you know she's she's having some trouble i need to go and you know, i need to go and see her yes she just had a baby and she needed some help you know of course mm-hmm. i'm giving some kind of story just to kind of get out of the house yeah. he didn't buy it but he let me go and i left the house and the entire time that i was speaking to him i was hearing that voice who i who i call god yes um was saying to me don't communicate, just walk. Mm-hmm. Don't communicate, just walk. So, of course, I'm there fumbling with my words, trying to mm-hmm, say something mm-hmm. and get out of the house. Left the house and, of course, immediately broke down. Lots of crying, yes, shaking, yes, very, yeah. very fearful. I walked out, walked to the, down to the street. And, Katie, <laughs> I realized in that moment that I had not taken my wallet. Right. <laughs> so I am now faced with a situation, weeping in the street, yes. saying, "Well, I can't get very far without a wallet, mm-hmm. <laughs> without a wallet, you know." Mm-hmm. And this is where I tell you the voice again, that same voice inside of me saying, "Don't go back inside." Yeah, don't go back inside. But your girl is like, "Well, I can't leave here without a wallet. I can't yeah. even get on the bus without mm-hmm. a wallet or a taxi." Yeah. So I turned around and I went back inside, and you can imagine the situation that played off because at this point now he realizes something is. My ex realizes something is happening. Yeah. Um, I walk back into the house and it got very physical because mm. at, at that point he did not want to, he didn't want me to leave. To leave. You know, he realized that I was leaving and he yeah. didn't want me to leave. And that was a time where he, he held me up against the wall and he tried to choke me and sort yeah. of was directly speaking into my mm-hmm. face and my mm-hmm. eyes. You will not leave me and you will never, you will never leave me. And uh, if you're not going to be here, then then neither of us will be here. You know, that sort of conversation. And it was terrifying. And I was very scared. I couldn't breathe and all these sorts of things. And even in that moment, I closed my eyes with him physically holding me. Mm -hmm. I was in physical pain and also traumatized. Mm -hmm. I closed my eyes and I still had that voice inside of me saying, you will not die here today, Sarah. Yes. You you will get out, right? Yeah. 
And I, that that peace that came over me, even in that moment, it's almost like watching yourself in a movie, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's where faith comes in, Katty. Mm-hmm. It's where you say to yourself, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how traumatizing it is, no matter how scary, no matter how uncertain it is, if you are able in that moment to just let go and put your trust in God and say, God, yeah, I don't know what this is and I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. You'd be surprised at the miracles that could, yes. <laughs> could happen. Yeah. And so I you know, was able to actually push him off of me and say to him that I need to leave. Yeah. I just was very, I need to leave right now. It doesn't mean that it's over, but I need to leave right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And I, I just grabbed the wallet and, and walked straight back out. And from the moment I left the second time, I thought I would have been in a hot mess, to, to be honest with you. I thought I would have collapsed, you know, yeah. been traumatized for life. And mm-hmm. I thought that would have been it for me. But I have to say that the, the peace came over me. It was like an abundant love. And that's yes. why I say this could only be, for me, it could only yes. be that universal sort of yes. love, that, that source, that yes. source energy just consumed me yeah. walking down that road to trying to find a taxi to get myself to a friend's yeah. house that I haven't even told that I'm coming. Yeah. The level of peace and love that filled me on that morning, that 7 a.m. on that morning, alone in London, I knew that I was going to be okay. okay. And I knew that all God needed for me to do was to take the step yeah. to get out. Yeah. So that was, a, for me, a big emotional sort of turning point where I chose, because I'm sitting in that taxi, sort of heading across to my friend's house. I knew I would never go, for sure, I knew I never was going to go back. That was the end of it for us. Yes. But I said to myself, you know, right now I choose life. Mm-hmm. I choose life. I choose myself. Because very often in these situations, we know we are we are dying inside. I was dying inside. My spirit, yeah. my light was was dimming. Mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing my friends. I had locked off my family. I was stopping. I had stopped communicating with people because yeah. I didn't want to have to lie about what was really going on. Mm-hmm. So you know, you put that mask on, and you're suddenly you're too busy to take calls or yes. to meet up with anybody and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and I was dying inside. And I sat in that car on that day, and I said to myself, I choose life. Yes. I know this is scary. Everything is uncertain. I can't bear the thought of having to go through a divorce and the shame that comes with that and all the rest of it. But I choose life. And that's the decision I made on that day. I chose life. I find for the women that I've spoken to, myself included, a lot of the things that keep us stuck comes from a variety of places. Like you say, there's self-love, lack of our own self-awareness. But there's always this underlying thing of what religion or society teaches us about what we're supposed to do. And we stay stuck. Mm -hmm. That truly keeps us stuck. So as we talk to a new generation of women, because I also don't believe that as females, we should go all the way to the other side that says, well, we don't need a man and we treat men poorly. But it's like, what would you say to a young woman in terms, like you said, there were things that you could have seen or you should have paid attention to. What would you say to a young woman listening who is, let's say, new (laughs) to relationships what are some of the things that she should look out for? Because I would interject on one thing you said, that space in between relationships. When one relationship ends, the importance of taking time to figure out who you are and what you want. So what would you add? 
There's a couple of things I would add, and it's such a great question. One of the most important things that I learned late in life, and I wish I'd learned as a teenager, and this is what I talk to my teenagers in the Happy Healthy Kids program about, Mm -hmm. which is that we receive information, guidance from a lot of different sources when we're young. Obviously, Mm -hmm. when we're very young, it's our parents. Our parents Mm -hmm. are guiding our decisions and our actions. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you start going to school, so your teachers and your peers are guiding that. So you're listening to your friends, you're listening to your teachers, you're listening to your parents. And then, of course, as you start to get into the workplace and, you know, sort of as you get older, it is more and more people are sharing their opinions, their views, their experiences with you. If you are not a conscious person, you what you do is you actually just accept someone else's point of view as your own. Right. And I think one of the greatest and most powerful lessons that we can learn in life is that, yes, Listen to the advice of the trusted people in your life, that be your parents, your teachers, you know, your, your closest friends who know you and, and love you. Mm-hmm. But at some point, have the ability to step back, absorb that information, understand what it is they're saying to you, and then make your own decision. Because what happened in certainly in my case, I just sort of, you know, I just I just took on, okay, my parents, my church, my grandparents even. I took on everybody else's sort of idea of what life was, what relationships were, what a woman, you know, should be like or could be like. And and I I sort of lived that. And I got stuck in that sort of mindset of, well, I can't leave because or or one I one I had to get married. This idea of me being a single sort of internationally traveling businesswoman was a mm-hmm. was a bizarre one it's kind of like Sarah <laughs> you're not supposed to be in this high-flying yes. career you're supposed to be at home minding children and you yes. know and then looking after a husband you know so I think for me first piece of advice is to it's all good and well listening to to the advice of others and taking the guidance of the people closest to you but but take that time to filter that with how do I think about this what do yeah. I believe and what's best for me at yeah. the end of the day we have the right and the and the ability to decide what's best for our own life regardless of what the people around us are seeing and doing mm-hmm. or worse yet what the media is seeing and doing and then the second piece of advice i would say is trust your instinct so to add to your point about taking that time in between relationships to be in stillness and be on your own and kind of learn yourself and understand yeah. yourself it's also trust your instincts. I think every woman can relate to to some of the things I've been saying, which is that, you know, when that person raises their voice or raises their hand or acts in manipulative ways, mm-hmm. we shrug it off and we say, yeah. oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Yeah. Or, oh, it's because of me. Or I did something. When in fact, you know, deep down, it wasn't you. You know, yeah. it, it was them. And that instinct, that gut instinct is a very powerful, you know, powerful source of truth in our life. And I think had I, in my situation, had I trusted my instinct before we even moved to England or got married or any of those sorts of things, then I'd be in a very different situation now. But to be honest, I don't regret anything because had I not been through that that experience that I've been through, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So you know what? I don't have regrets at all. I look at it with gratitude and love. And I've been through a, an intense three or four years of healing, which are, yes. you know, which I'm happy to share as well. But taking that time to heal is is crucial and coming like i said coming home to yourself after any relationship any tragedy any grief that you're experiencing it's important to to heal from that and come home to yourself so that you can be strong and, and able on your yeah. own or in another relationship so as we close give me one of your strategies one of your tips or one of the tools that you use in your journey towards 
peace and healing? Mindful living, mindfulness. One of the greatest things that I did for myself when I left my husband, I didn't think about seeing a counselor or mm. seeing a therapist or seeking professional help mm. because I didn't realize what was going on was really that bad. I just thought it was just a shitty relationship, <laughs> poor, a poor relationship. And I just thought it was a poor relationship. And but I had my part to play in it. He had his part to play in it. It just didn't work. Mm -hmm. That's sort of how I was thinking about it when I left this really really toxic marriage yes. but it's only through a friend of mine encouraged me saying you know what Sarah you really should talk to somebody about it some of the things you've told me about it have been mm -hmm. really kind of shocking actually yeah. and, and you need to go and speak to somebody and I said you know what I'm not I'm not on that therapy thing mm -hmm. but through obviously the time that I spend in Asia and whatnot I'd become to sort of understand things like spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and so on so I'd come across a mindfulness coach so it wasn't sort of much a strictly a therapist yes. per se but it was a mindfulness coach and I really liked that idea of sort of finding that sort of being learning how to be present and yes. learning how to process and yeah. release and things like that so mindful my my mindful coach in those years and I saw that mindful coach for two and a half years mm -hmm. was absolutely life-changing for me and I think if there's anyone who is going through any sort of uncertainty in their life or is dealing with anxiety depression mm -hmm. fear marriage breakdown yes. you know issues with childhood and so on mindfulness and learning how to process and release emotion yeah and and stay present you know in your spirit yeah. is probably and at peace and i think that's probably one of the most powerful things that i can recommend and mindfulness and meditation despite that i'm not seeing a mindfulness coach professionally anymore mindfulness and meditation is absolutely rooted in my everyday now it's yeah. become a, such a crucial part of my life yes. that every morning that i wake up every night that i go to sleep mindfulness and meditation are present and that for me has been the biggest win in all of this being able to kind of you know live my life so yes I can be hot with Sarah and I can be this great fun social active individual but I can also come right back to myself at any given moment yes. and find my peace and yes. find my happiness right here within me thank you so much Sarah I really appreciate you taking time to chat with me <laughs> brilliant thank you for listening to conversations with Kathy if you like the show be sure to subscribe rate and review it helps others just like you to find a show. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Kathy and Roach or in my Facebook group, Conversations with Kathy, where we connect live, discuss the episodes and share tips for improving our lives. So until next time.